This is Faith Fulcrum, a podcast for anyone trying to balance faith and tradition with contemporary challenges. I'm Scott Simpson. And I'm Mark Baldridge, and our conversation grows from a lifetime friendship born within a Bible-centered community of believers. We don't always agree. So you don't have to either. Weigh what we have to say in the scales of your own faith and see. This episode is titled, In Spirit Half. I think this is a kind of a big deal for us. I mean, you know what I mean? I think it is too, because I think it's uh, I think it's the deal for a lot of folks. I agree, and I think we can find places where we agree. Sure. As the scripture says, you know, come, let us reason together. Right. Over the inspiration of the scriptures. Second mm-hmm. Timothy three fourteen through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That is taken often as a reference to, for instance, a reference to Second Timothy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is Paul talking to Timothy, and he says, from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. So what he's talking about are the sacred writings that existed in Timothy's childhood. Right. And this letter did not exist then. So that's number one. But number two, it doesn't seem to be saying, including this, by the way, this this mm-hmm. letter that I'm writing to you to encourage you and that I expect will be read by others. But I just want you all to know that, that I'm including this, that this is also on the list. Right. You know, in the New Testament, people were writing exactly what any writer writes. They're writing a particular thing for a particular audience at a particular time. And literally 400 years later, at least 350 years later, when all of these various writings got pulled together and suddenly they became something else, a canon of holy writings in which a lot of things were left out and a lot of things were included. None of the writers, none of the individual writers were thinking of it in that way. Well, it's hard to know that if they did, but they, they don't seem to be saying it. The problem is, as people, especially Christians reading the New Testament, read Word of God, they equate that with Scripture, which Word of God in Scripture, in the New Testament, I should say, is always either referring to Jesus himself, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and he's kind of mystically talking about both the understanding, the mind, the logic, the logos of God, and equating that with the person of Jesus Christ. The version I just read was from the Revised Standard Version, but the uh, New International Version in verse 16 says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, etc. That opens up a a different possibility. (laughs) I do know that the idea of the breath of God appears elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. What gives life to things is God's breath. Right. So there's a living component to Scripture. I think that's what this might be saying, that Scripture is alive. And, And there's also the word all in there, you know? He says all Scripture. I think it's possible that he's making a case for reading and study in general. You know, I think that's a great thought because Jesus says in Matthew 7, they're going to be false prophets mm-hmm. and they'll come to you dressed as sheep, but inwardly they're really wolves mm-hmm. and you will know them by their fruits. And I think you might know the scriptures by their fruit. 
Yeah. How do you know if something is scripture? You know it like you know if a prophet is from yeah. God by what they produce. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the time. I think it was in Mark when Jesus' disciples came to him and said, hey, there's this guy over here, and he's doing healing. He's doing it in your name, but he's not one of us. We need to shut him down. And Jesus basically said, no, no. If he's, if he's doing good, then, then, then it's fine. It's great. No matter what your, your view of inspiration of Scripture is, the fact that someone's using Scripture, the Bible, doesn't mean it's going to be good. That's true, too. Right. The devil can cross. Yes, it was used by the devil to do all kinds of horrific things. And so the mere fact that I'm reading out of this book doesn't make what I'm saying or doing good at all. You will have to sift through Mm -hmm. false uses of Scripture, false people talking in God's name. But if they're healing people, if they're healing the sick, if they're visiting the imprisoned, if they are feeding the hungry then yeah. that's how you know those people are doing God's will, whether they know it or not. Whether you're reading the Bible or whether you're reading anything written by anyone else, you don't get to turn off that capacity for discerning whether something's good or not, whether something is bringing life or whether it's bringing death, ultimately, whether it's bringing good and love or whether it's bringing hate and evil. You don't get to turn that off no matter what you're reading. So, I think that writings or traditions or stories or materials, (laughs) media that is alive, that has the spirit of life in it, the breath of life, can only bring life. And what we mean by that, it can't be that it makes you feel good. In fact, it can convict you and make you feel very, very bad. But what it's doing is trying to draw you, as Jesus constantly says, into a new life, to be born again, to be raised from the dead, to wake up in the middle of life and realize you are not alive unless you are living in love. And that love is how you breach, and you breach the distance that separates you from God. That you Mm -hmm. are separated from God, and it's because you cannot live in love. And when Mm -hmm. you can live in love, you will know God, because you will find God everywhere in other human beings. Yeah, yeah. We've talked a lot about being reborn or born again. One of the promises, it seems to me, that comes with that is sometimes it's the gift of the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit. Well, that's inspiration. I'm going to be inspired. I'm going to have a breath of some sort of life when I recognize that kingdom. I've heard it said that inspiration of Scripture is fine, but it's got to be at least two times. Whoever it was that was writing it had to be filled with some sort of, you know, life-giving idea to put it down. Hmm. But the person who's reading it now has to also be filled with that. There's, there's got to be a, another inspiration. It's not simply something that's contained in the ink and the, and the page. If you read the Scripture with death in your heart, with hatred in your heart, yeah. then, then you're not reading the inspired Word of God. It's as simple as that. And what you just said, there's the difference in the words. You said you're not getting the living word of God. I mean, the ink on a page that's dead versus somehow the inbreathing of the living, living word of God. The message that comes from God is directly one of salvation, of a kingdom, of an emergence within you and among you, so that you don't have to be disconnected not only from God, but from each other, and that in fact, by reaching out to each other, by joining with each other, you are embracing God. That's how you love God, and you know God loves you. (laughs) How do I know God loves me? I know because I'm living in love. 
You know, in, in one of our earlier episodes, you brought up the passage where John the Baptist's followers came and asked uh, Jesus, he said, are you the Messiah? And he didn't say, yes, I am. He said, go tell them uh, what you see and what you hear. There's people are being healed. And what's interesting, I think, with this discussion of inspiration that we're talking about, I might be inspired. And you might decide that I'm inspired because of whatever fruit's coming out of whatever I'm delivering or saying or whatever. But I don't get to say, hey, Mark, I'm inspired. Therefore, you have to do everything I say. Yeah. What you're kind of suggesting is a, an argument by analogy. Jesus himself would not answer the question. Exactly. Exactly. So if this line of Paul to Timothy, if he's saying also, this book is also inspired, et cetera, et cetera, then he's out of line. Because, right. Because he's not allowed to say it. And for heaven's sake, two people that are, were inspired enough to have writings in the Bible, Peter and Paul, you know, at one point, they're also arguing and disagreeing with That's each other. That's right. That's correct. There's like this humanity that is involved in every bit of I it. I think every word of every scripture is inspired. Sure. If it's not inspired, it's not scripture. But I don't think that that means that every word is somehow a fact. Like, a fact means a thing that really happened. Right. But parables are not facts. The Bible contains parables. The parables themselves are not intended to be true stories. I mean, I'll give you a good example is the unjust judge. God, mm. Jesus tells us, is like an unjust judge. Now, if that's meant to be the truth, <laughs> he is really being revolutionary, you know? He's really tearing yeah. down the walls, you know? But it's yeah. not meant to be the truth. It's an analogy, and the focus right. is not on the unjust judge. The focus is on you as how do you approach God, and you do it incessantly, uh, repetitively, mm-hmm. Uh, without without let up constantly and it's just like other passages that say pray without ceasing like like Jacob and the and and God uh, this wrestling match that has to happen where I'm wrestling with God and I'm saying give me a blessing damn it you know? <laughs> and, and and trying to figure out something that's useful I like the fact that the Bible very clearly understands the conflict <laughs> that emerges between us and God uh, over and over again. Abraham bargaining for Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. you know? Well, what if there were 10 people? You yeah, know? yeah. And Jesus in the garden, sweating bullets, yeah. saying, if it can be, you know, I'd let this cup pass. Yeah. I don't want this. The name that, that God gave Jacob, you know, it became the name of, of all of the people, Israel, which means wrestles with God. I think often we are ready to, turn over our own evaluative process, which Jesus has enjoined us to do, to discover the fruits of a proposition or a person. We're ready to give that up to a suave interpretation, yeah. a person who has, uh, who seems to have all the answers. And I would say anyone who does not acknowledge this conflict, this wrestling, the, the fact that we are constantly coming to terms with God, any system that's that seems to eradicate that or get rid of it belies the experience of Christ and of Jacob. Yeah, yeah. You see, are we done? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you want more content like this, we're building a website at faithfulcrum.com. Or if you want to get in touch, email us at faithfulcrum at gmail.com. So, Mark, do we have a hymn for this episode? It's called In Spirit Half. The divine in spirit half. 
every creature that hath breath respiration tender crabbies and smaller foolers all plants and animals which have the breath of But the breathing once begun can have no end, not, not till the very end. Life is what lives, takes and gives, exchanging poisons for the freshness needed to go on. Those poisons. Freshness to another one.